Cottony Attorneys and Consultants is dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal, business, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law & Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cottony. Hey, this is Trent Cottony, CEO of Cottony Attorneys and Consultants, and I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Law & Mortar. As always, I've got John Kenny with me. John, how are you doing? Doing great. Glad to be back. Glad to see everybody through virtual world out there. Hope all's doing well after the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the first time we've both uh, been doing this, I think, for a while, if I'm not mistaken. I was on the road and then we had the uh, Thanksgiving break. So I'm looking forward to getting back in the saddle. We told everybody you were on special assignment for the industry. There you go. Special assignment. So um, the biggest news I think that most contractors have been talking about lately are all the different, you know, either vaccine mandates or you know, OSHA, COVID-19 type regulations, the emergency temporary standard. And this last week, um, as well as this week, there's been a significant amount of legal activity. So just to kind of touch on some of the high points, there have been various cases and, you know, federal district court cases in Missouri and Kentucky and Louisiana, where they issued preliminary injunctions against the healthcare vaccine mandate, against the federal contractor vaccine mandate, against the uh, CMS, which is the uh, Medicare and Medicaid Center's vaccine mandate. Um, so again, those are isolated for the jurisdictions that they're in, but you know that sort of shows that uh, the government may be overstepping its bounds a little bit. I mean, the, keep in mind, this is just a preliminary injunction, which means it's just a temporary stay. There still has to be arguments about it, but they got past an initial threshold. What's interesting is the OSHA Emergency Temporary Standard final uh, reply brief is due December 6th. So uh, come December 7th, shortly thereafter, or shortly thereafter, we're going to get a response from the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, and then eventually it's going to go to the Supreme Court, and we're going to get a decision. Uh, I think I've kind of said it before, either um, you know, on our industry update or else or otherwise. I really think that it's going to get... Uh, struck down. I, I just don't see it surviving, you know, uh, judicial scrutiny, but uh, we'll wait and see. So, John, what are you hearing on your end? Yeah, I think for the most part, contractors have put the brakes on worrying about that particular end of it. Um, I believe, you know, with all the updates, even I know you've been putting out lately and um, on the news, I think it's at, at best, it's it's dead for quite a while. Um I don't know. I think the only thing I've had a couple questions on is now with the new strain that's coming out there, is this going to extend the pandemic far enough that they may try to rewrite whatever the court knocks down? But, I, you know, again, I wouldn't even attempt to answer that. Who, who, who knows where we'll be at um, as far as how long we'll be into this and whether it'd be necessary to try it even. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, one of the things that contractors can do, so you know, I agree with you, you know, taking my lawyer hat off. I don't see any of these things, you know, coming to fruition. The one that I think stands the most chance is the federal contractor vaccine mandate. But even that is a little overreaching. I could see where it could apply to crews, but to have it reach all the way down to a home office and things like that, it's a little bit more uh, burdensome. Uh, but the one thing that you can do is you can start working on your documentation and your policies to protect you because, Vaccine mandates are going to be here in some form or fashion. Your customers are going to require it. With Omicron out there and whatever variant is next after that, it's not going away. So my advice would be go ahead and work on some of your documentation. 
the other thing that you really want to do is just bone up on the ocean inspection process. And John, I know, you know, we've been working on a uh, uh, OSHA checklist that's on shopcotony.com. It's brand new. Um, it's, it's got a great, uh, easy to understand checklist for contractors to kind of run through sort of an SOP that you can use in the event that uh, you've got an ocean inspection. So check that out. Yeah, that will also be available in Spanish probably by the end of next week, too. We're having it being translated right now. Great, great. And look for some companion documents as well. I, I might uh, offer something that's a little bit more high level from a, a legal standpoint to kind of go through some of the do's and don'ts that your um, employees, especially supervisory employees, could uh, partake in. So um, other news that came out here recently, it was either today or yesterday, the uh, budget approval. John, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, last night the budget finally passed. I don't know, 68, 69 votes positive in the Senate. And I just heard this afternoon that uh, the president had signed it. So uh, the way I understand it, it takes, it extends the government operating out till I believe around the 18th of February. Um, so at least that's on a back burner for now, but that means we're going to be uh, dealing with it here just after the holidays, but it gives them a chance. So Really what that means is if we continue to operate as normal in the government, they also have to do um, the debt ceiling adjustment, I believe comes around the same time uh, coming up as well. That's something completely different. But uh, so as far as contractors or anybody goes, it's pretty much business as normal in the U.S. Uh, government right now. They've got their extension in place. Right. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, I was talking to Craig Bright up, our lobbyist well known in the industry. Um, and he was saying that uh, another Democrat has decided not to run for re-election. So the number of seats, you know, it, it's becoming more and more apparent that there is the odds are in the favor of Republicans taking over uh, the House at this point. So uh, I think you're going to see some major changes um, with this next election. And it's going to be interesting to see how that um, plays out with a lot of these mandates and a lot of the uh, other OSHA type regulations that that may be coming down the pipe. So um, stay tuned on that. Now, John, I know you and I have a busy week next week. We've got a lot going on. Uh, I know we both have webinars for the Kentucky Roofing Association, so looking forward to that. But uh, you're doing something pretty cool with National Women in Roofing. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, on Tuesday uh, for the, their National Education Committee, we're doing a, a live webinar on uh, plan specification and contracts. So we're, we're kind of taking it from a different angle. Um, it's not a legal one about what you need to include and not include. Looking at it from that operational aspect of, you know, what, how's the plans put together? How's the specs put together? What do you look for? You know, what do you need to properly put your bid together up to get the contractual? And then we do have some clauses in there uh, that what you need to look for um, to keep yourself out of trouble and how it all ties in. So it's going to be a, a very uh, packed one hour presentation and we do have uh, two or three handouts that can be downloaded from there because there's just too much to get out in one hour. Yeah, and that's that's great. And, you know, we are our company as a whole, um, regardless of whether it's legal or consulting, we always support National Women in Roofing. I've had the pleasure of doing a couple of different uh, presentations this year for various chapters. And uh, we're looking forward to, um, you know, uh, National Women in Roofing Day at IRE coming up here in just a couple months. So, yeah. Um, that's going to be great. I know we've got uh, uh, Lee in our office who's going to be speaking, and I'm sure we'll have other attendees as well. So it should be, should be a great time. Um, 
John, you know, I know we're getting close to the end of the year here. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I guess from a business perspective, I was really happy at seeing the numbers off of our uh, our Black Friday and Cy- our Cyber Monday Shop Cottony sales. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah, we ran uh, some specials uh, because we got the online sales. We had a chance to take advantage of the Black Friday and Cyber Monday uh, percentages off. We uh, we did very well. Our, our clientele out there uh, uh, definitely enjoyed taking advantage of that, which they should. That's what it was meant for. Got a lot of good uh, downloads, training programs, documents. Um, so what we're going to do is you keep an eye out over the next two to three weeks up till Christmas. We're actually going to have some very specialized package deals off. So I think uh, it's going to be very, uh, very exciting what you're going to see. So keep an eye out on our social media and our email blasts. Um, we're going to start on Monday or Tuesday. We'll start to see the first one come out. Great, great. Well, John, guess what time it is, my man? Oh, it's my our favorite time, I bet. That old question time. Yep, yep. And they're they're stacking up here, but I want to throw out something that's that's primarily legal, but uh, I know you've had to deal with it, especially in your position with uh, contractors in the past. So. This question is from Brian, and Brian has a question about indentification. Uh, he says that I know that this is a provision that I'm supposed to look at, but I'm not certain how I should change it or revise it so that it's favorable to me. How can I do that without totally striking the provision? So good question. What I always like to say, uh, Brian, is the best thing that you can do is try to make it as limited as possible. There's three types of indemnification. There's limited indemnity, intermediate indemnity, and broad form. Okay, Uh, Limited means that you're only uh, going to hold somebody harmless. You're only going to identify them for your bad acts, right? If you screw something up, then you're going to identify them for that, okay? Intermediate means that if you're responsible at all, even if it's 1%, uh, then you might have to cover that. Different state laws may apply, okay? And the third thing is broad form, which means it doesn't matter if you screw up or your customer screws up, you're covering it, okay? Uh, clearly, you want limited, right? So what I really recommend is limit any of those provisions to only your negligence, right? Only your bad acts or omissions. If you do that and watch out for terms that say whole or in part, that's basically and intermediate, right? So you want to take that in part and you want to strike through that with a red pen. That's the key thing is focus on that. Also work with your insurance agent, you know, make sure that you've got the proper uh, CGL coverage to cover whatever identification requirements are in there. Uh, That's a critical component that a lot of contractors overlook. John, what, you know, in your past, uh, you know, experience in operations, how did you approach identification? What did you see? Yeah, well, I always uh, found it an un pretty much an unwinnable battle to get it struck out completely. So from strategic standpoint, absolutely agree. Limited is the best. So the way I used to approach that is if it, it was the broad way, you, you work from that aspect to get it to limited or in the, the middle of the road. But I always like to approach it like, hey, you know, I'm willing, you know, I understand you got to, you got to give something to your legal team and we got to give something to our legal team. And I used to go at it by saying, look, completely understand that we are going to accept the liability strictly for what we are responsible for to get it to that limited. And, you know, of course we'd go have our attorney's clause of exactly the way we want to scratch down. And, and I will tell you, probably 80% of the cases did not fight back on that because they were so used to contractors fighting it completely 
um, that they usually would give in and do it. And also, too, I can tell you there's so many contractors that don't even pay attention to that clause that they usually have enough on the hook on the job. That And I will tell you, we've won a lot. We've gotten out of a lot of issues by limiting it just to our work because it had nothing to do with us what happened on the job. And we got notice. Uh, I'll tell you this. We got a notice on one job that we were responsible tied into the, you know, you're indemnified. And we said, uh, nope. And when we sent it back, the actual person handling said, how did you ever get the contract, our project manager, to accept that clause? We don't normally do that, but it was, and it was legal, and we were out of it. That's great, and I hope uh, all our listeners are paying attention to that because that's a key thing. Don't ever overlook indemnification. It's one of the, the uh, uh, worst provisions in any contract. You've definitely got to pay attention to that one. So, John, with that, we are at the end of another episode. I'd like to uh, thank everybody for making us the number one construction law podcast in the world. Uh, stay tuned next week for another Law & Mortar. If you got any questions for me, you can reach me at Trent Cotney, T. Cotney at CotneyCL.com. John, how can they get you? That'd be uh, Jay Kenny at CotneyCL.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you, guys. We will see you next week. Take care.